Welcome back to another Doctor Supercoach podcast. You're on this week with JB, and I'm joined by Pistol. And uh, Pistol, great to see you're all in the papers this week, mate. You've got the best ranking team for the week. <laughs> for some somehow, um, apparently, uh, Pistol FC has managed to come second weekly, but has been posted everywhere that they came first weekly. So. For some reason, that's awesome that the the Pistol FC is number two, but also listed as number one for no reason all over in the Herald Sun, published on their website as the best team, but they're the second best team on the website. And number two, it's Pistol FC, which has nothing to do with me, and I'm getting asked a million times if I won the weekly. So, um, yes, I did. It was a great week, JB. <laughs> Good job. Here's well, my bank account details. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, big start for you, obviously, having won the week. But uh, what did you actually score? Obviously, we're not claiming that Pistol FC was your team, considering it takes a lot of genius to get the top ranking uh, thing for the week. <laughs> no, it was actually the other one, the one that really was the top ranking team. This was just... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you've got multiple teams in there, Pistol. I don't know. No, my, my, my team uh, did all right, I think, this week with two, three, five, six. It was kind of an interesting week because all of my premios turned up, every single one, which is amazing. I think you just... Usually, I, I don't think would see that. Except all of my playing choices were poor <laughs> across uh, the field, except the midfield, which where I had Sam Walsh. Um, yeah, it was not so pretty in that forward line with Drew's thirty-six, uh, Parker's forty-seven, and Setterfield's thirty-seven, all on field. So, room for improvement. But how did you go, JB? Yeah, I just edged you this week. I got twenty-three eighty-five, and uh, it, I, we were saying this pre-podcast. Our teams. All three of our teams, because Chizo went 2,300-plus again this week as well. All three of our teams are so different, but we're all doing so crazily well. And, you know, I used to be a big believer in, you know, the top teams start you know, X amount of the same players. That's how they get off to their, their big starts. But all three of us have started like a house on fire, and all three of us have very different sides. So it's good that if you look at the top sides and you've got a few players, you know, points of differences, and you think, you know, your year's done, it's, it's just not. Like, a lot of... Different teams can dominate in different ways uh, each week. And it's very tight still at the top, like tighter than maybe I've seen in recent years. There's basically no points separating first and like 10K. It's like 400 points or something like that, um, which usually at this stage, it's like 600 plus. So it's all very tight and congested. So if you are you know, well outside the top 20K or something. It's basically a captaincy decision off the top 10K. So have some faith. It's a long season and hopefully uh, this week goes your way. Exactly right. So a few things to take care of before we get into the round uh, recap and the game-by-game analysis. Uh, Firstly, big shout-out to Jack Saunders. Sounders. Saunders. Saunders, yes. Well, you you don't know. It could be Sounders. (laughs) It could be Sounders. I'm pretty sure... It's not, um, but welcome to Patreon. Thank you very much for joining us. I know you've been right in there into the Slack chat, um, and I've been right in there. He's yeah, been right in, in there. He's, yep. he's a gun. I'm already talking uh, Supercoach all the time, all day and night, which is what we love to get through. Um, yeah, love to see with all of our patrons. I think are we are, did we hit? Was it the eighty mark, JB? I don't know. 
<laughs> well, I, I can't log on. Chizo's changed the password on me. I'm out of that's, it. So that's probably wise. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to blame him for that. But it's yeah, uh, been point. unbelievable. If you're a footy lover and you just want to talk Supercoach on the weekends and during the week in any spare moment um, with like-minded individuals who are all, I'd say, quite good at Supercoach as well. Everyone's ranking really solidly. Um, just good environment. Everyone's really nice. So uh, get on board and check out our Patreon. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, not to forget about the Cancer Council, Pistol. I think we had a few uh, players slip up and make errors this week. Were there a, a couple of donations? or There were. So fortunately, our um, Donate for Dumb Moves, um, thanks to Tony for coming up with the name for that. <laughs> donate for Dumb Moves it. has come through this week. Um, first with uh, Jason G deciding on trading in Tim Kelly, but forgetting that he plays on a Thursday, so missing him. Um, donated... For his score, so wait. So left him on the bench. No, he didn't trade him in at all. He just missed out. I just. Oh no. Yes. So that's That's uh, a that's a donate for dumb moves. Um, I thought it was clever the the ten dollar seventy donation for his score of one oh seven. (laughs) Um, that that was uh, very clever. I enjoyed that. Um, thank you to Liam George with uh, a donation as Trelaw did score subtum, which was his pledge at the beginning of the year, and Tom Newman again. The, are we going to call him the Dusty Tragic? I'm not really... I feel bad yeah, for now, Tom. for sure. He said, now that you um, brought it up. <laughs> he said, <laughs> his comment, I'm just going to read it out. It says, Against my rage trait instincts, I held Dusty. He's gone and surely earned himself a suspension and another, I'll say terrible score, that wasn't quite the language, uh, has to be traded this week. <laughs> Bring on season 2020. Tom, it's not over. There's still plenty of times for... Uh, no, it's probably over. JB, I think um, Tom's done <laughs> for this yeah, season. I mean, <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'll give you a bit of hope, Tom. Uh, you're probably done. Not certain, though, but you probably are. No, no, it's not done. If you have Dusty, fortunately, it's only round. It's only been three rounds. You can salvage any season. He's been suspended for, I think he got offered two weeks. It just happened as we were recording the podcast. Um, that's probably enough within, you know, his poor scores. That's probably time to maybe flick. We'll talk about some options at the end of the podcast. And yeah, it's really early days in the season. So definitely don't be um, too upset. There's plenty of time to go. And just one good trade here could set you up, you know, to be flying in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, having said that, we'll jump into the round, uh, the game by game recap. Starting off with the Thursday night game, as we heard earlier with the the Tim Kelly missed trade-in. Uh, Adelaide Crows versus Geelong, and it was Adelaide over with Geelong taking the win. We'll start off with, uh, in fact, we might as well duo them up. It's Matt and Brad Crouch. If you started either and or both of these two players, just absolutely huge scenes from them thus far. And Matt looks like he's going to be a top 10 midfielder. Brad looks like he's going to make a lot of money and a lot of points in the meantime as well. I know you stopped yourself short of saying uh, Brad's capable of being a top 10 Midfielder, but it's uh, again, there's a lot, lot to go. I just love how this, these were meant to be the difficult games for Adelaide because now they've got a run of North Melbourne, Gold Coast, St Kilda, Fremantle, Port Adelaide. I said it in the same voice just to upset you, JB. Um, so they've got you know a good five, five week stretch here as well. So I'm really Four liking. Week stretch. 
<laughs> I'm really enjoying how they've already scored well to this point. So I am now expecting them to score even better over this five-period stretch. So if you have both Crouch brothers or one of them, um, I'm yeah just expecting massive scores from them and uh, the counterpart as well in Sloan. Yeah, and Sloan was the next one I was going to discuss. Another score of 107, so another decent score of, of the, the ton, which is three for three. He's one of... I think we were saying earlier, one of 10 players to be averaging 120 plus to start the season and a massive point of difference, something that we'll probably discuss as a, a Dusty or Fife option if we uh, advise to or to not trade them. But we'll move on to Riley O'Brien, who day or didn't debut, debuted for the season, uh, first game in a few years here as the replacement for Sam Jacobs, scored 85 as well. So Looks like if he gets a run of games, he'll be a massive cash cow, but I think Jacobs is uh, expected to be back, not this week, but the week after. Well, we'll have to wait and see if he gets to the bubble, but again, it's a bit tough if he's not going to be playing you know, more than three, four games. He's not really going to generate enough money, but it's something that we can keep our eye on going forward. Yep, and a couple more players to discuss here on Adelaide's side. Firstly, Rory led a score of 84. What would you be advising to owners uh, thus far? Because we said he'd have a bit of a scoring drop-off, but still to be expected to be in that top four. But he's gone down to a 90-ish average. And that's just, I mean, if he keeps up a 90-ish average, which we don't obviously expect him to, well, I don't expect him to. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on it. You know, it, It's just not quite there in that top sort of six to eight range like we thought he would be. Is he going to bounce back? Is it just a bad start? Or have you, do you see him playing a significantly different role? What's up with Laird? No, he's got a bit more attention in the first couple of games than he's probably used to. But with this run coming up that I talked about before, I think he'll be perfectly fine and you, you can expect, you know, 100 average over that stretch. He'll be a top six defender. You don't have to worry about that. It's definitely not worth a trade out. Um, as mentioned in the preseason, we didn't think it was great value, but he's a safe pick and sometimes you just need to pay the money for the safe picks because if you try and get a bit more value cheaper, it could go terribly wrong, which we've seen with some top-end primos just falling completely away. So it's perfectly fine. I would not stress about Laird um, or... I think we could probably talk about um, Brody Smith, only a 68. I can see a lot of people, JB, on Twitter trying to figure out who to trade him to, and I just think that's madness with their run coming up especially. He's going to be perfectly fine. He's still going to make like close to 100K at the end of this. He's going to score well. Like, Just don't panic, people. Just keep the faith. Yeah, I think we just need to preach uh, patience in these instances, and like you said, with their good run coming up, and there's just... I mean, who are people trading Smith to anyway? I mean, Whitfield's just gone up a lot in money and, you know, Jake Lloyd is not going down in money. So unless you're making a, a trade down elsewhere and then trading Smith up, you, there's no way really to jump from here. And, you know, our, our premiums that are struggling or did struggle in the first couple of rounds are only just starting their price descent. So, you know, it's, it's just not worth trading him at this point. He made 22K on the weekend and still has a low break even. So just someone to hold on to like, in your team for the next few weeks. If he's still scoring the 60s and 70s in two or three weeks' time, then we'll talk about it again, I think. So we'll move on to the Geelong side, having said that. And uh, VC option Dangerfield started the round well for a lot of players, but it's mostly about Tim Kelly in this one. Did pick up a little bit of an ankle tweak. Only, well, not only, he did end up scoring 107 points, which is still great for owners. But a lot of people who traded Heaney to Kelly might have put themselves in a spot of bother if Tim Kelly is rested this week. 
I think the latest reports or anything that we've heard is that he should be right to go this week. So I'm not too stressed about that. But I think it is important to note how well he was playing. Only the 71% time on grounds. Um, didn't play much or that much in the fourth quarter. But he looks unbelievable. We've said it for the first three weeks. Well, we've said it for the first two weeks and, and make this the third week. He is <laughs> definitely going to be in the top six forwards. So I, I wouldn't be definitely moving heaven and earth to get him. He, he didn't rise that much in price, and I'm sure he's bound to cop some attention soon, but he will be an early upgrade target for many, I think. Yeah, and again, over 50% contested disposals uh, compared to uncontested is just crazy work from him. He's obviously getting a lot of midfield time and, and using using it wisely. Uh, speaking of top six forwards, though, Luke Dowhouse has popped into a lot of people's minds recently. Another score of 105, uh, another score of 100 plus with 105, I should say. 21 disposals, got those seven tackles, kicked two behinds pistols, so could have gone huge in this one. I think he was on 70 at half time, so he really slowed um, in that second half to, to, I say, only finish on 105. Is it Luke Dowhouse of old? Like, Are we getting a bargain for top top six forward for only 440k like what what's the go here jb yeah i mean people that started him he's jumped up 30k already but massive kudos to you guys he's obviously put out those three good scores already i'm not too stressed about trading him in he's 440k and i'm not sure about you but i'm not culling too many people around that price at this point anyway so i'm happy to see him appreciate and value maybe 60k more uh 70k more ish uh and then jump on him then if he's still averaging 100 in about a month's time but he does look like the Dow House of the old he's found a real good spot in this Geelong team and he's playing a role that he just absolutely flourishes in so are you suggesting it's possible that in the top six forwards in Supercoach we could be having Dangerfield Tim Kelly Menegola and Dalhouse? and uh, I'm, I'm not willing to rule Tom Hawkins out either <laughs> So they're possibly five of the top. That's that's insane. I mean, obviously they're a dominant they, team. They share a buy as well, so you can't really have them all if you're playing for overall. So you've you've got to pick and choose which ones you want to get. I should say Manigola, back to the eighty three percent time on ground. He hadn't cracked the eighty in the previous games. One hundred and fifteen super coach points. He didn't get that much of the ball. Twenty three touches, but he just was always in the right place at the right time the whole match. He's got some footy smarts, and there's no way he's also just going to fall out of the top six forwards. So there's all these good Geelong options. It's going to be pretty difficult picking the the correct ones, JB. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult. But if they keep doing what they're doing, which is winning games and, and somewhat comprehensively, then they're going to have a lot of forwards that score well. And whoever goes through that midfield or in that forward line, they're going to get decent scores in wins and... You know, a lot of people tipping Geelong for a top four spot and maybe even top two. So I think we keep an eye on a lot of their players, Pistol. I'm not going to rule any of them out. Now, uh, their rookies all performed admirably. The only one that was maybe a little bit concerning was Tom Atkins with 33 supercoach points. Only got up to the six disposals, zero tackles for the match, but kicked a goal and uh, maybe... In one of the uh, sliders that were missed for the the whole entire week, it was probably one of the worst, but he stepped through a crowd of four or five players and pretty much had to just finish it from 15 metres out and just missed uh, on the wrong side of the post there. So could have had two goals. I think his spot is just fairly safe. I'm not sure about you. You jinxed it. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, I hate to do that, but he just seems like he's one of those players that is putting them in this sort of form with his forward pressure. And even though he didn't get many tackles, I mean, he did actually... No, he didn't He didn't get any tackles. I was right. But even though he didn't get any tackles, I'm sure the pressure acts are well up, so he's doing his job. Well, we'll see if he gets named. Uh, hopefully he does. And, you know, I'm expecting him to retain his spot. And might be a bit of a slow burn, but with a you know easier Geelong run in a couple of weeks, uh, hopefully he can just get a couple of 50s and 60s out just to, you know, make closer to that 100k mark and you know we can call that a win jb just very briefly before we move on to the next game uh, tom stewart with 108 this week he's only 485k he scored particularly well in the first three weeks so he's actually averaging 108 um looks consistent a 95 or 120 and the 108 do you think he is also a chance of finishing in the top six defenders <laughs> Are we going to end the year with about eight Geelong players? Because Mitch we Duncan might. also looks pretty good, and he's <laughs> he's up in that mid, uh, midfield with a you know a bit of a point, point of difference as well as Stewart here. But yeah, he's looked excellent, and four percent of teams that started him at the start of the season absolutely nailed it. And yeah, I'd be very very happy with his start so far. And if he was a top six to eight defender at the end of the season, I would not be surprised even the littlest bit, Pistol. Well. He does take a, a fair share of kickouts, so when Tui comes back, it will be interesting to see who actually holds on to that. Um, so he might suffer a small, a very small amount of points decrease uh, when that happens. But anyway, don't let that stop us from moving on to the next game, JB. <laughs> sure. So Melbourne defeated Essendon on the Friday. Sorry, Essendon defeated Melbourne on Friday night footy. And uh, just a moment of silence for Melbourne fans. I, I'm not actually sure what's going on with them this year, but nothing seems to be stopping Max Gorn. And 126 Supercoach points uh, just absolute ticks for him. But the point of difference, Angus Brayshaw, another ton. He's now two out of three tons, if I'm not wrong there. Yep. Just a good start to the season. He's racking up 30-plus disposals each and every game. He's, you know, wasting it quite a bit, but he's still getting up to that Supercoach ton just by pure pure amount. Yeah, Brayshaw does get quite a lot of the ball, but... He's not, I think, using it as badly as some people were expecting. I think he's done pretty well this season. This game in particular, I think what he was suffering from was actually a really low time on ground. He only played 69% time on ground, um, which was incredibly low. I'm pretty sure, yeah, that's a that's almost a team low um, for him. The lowest was 68% time on ground for um, Jay Lockhart, but... Brayshaw still managed to score 108 and get 34 possessions in that 70% time on ground. They probably would have won the game, JB, if they actually played him for longer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we won't know, but yeah, it seems strange that he's only playing that amount of time on ground. Do you, would you have any inkling as to why that would be? No, I don't think it's a tank issue. It may have been he got run ragged against Port in the first week, and maybe it's like kind of a management thing, but that's a complete guess, and I'm hoping he just bounces back to you know 80% time on ground because he's scoring at a really good rate which is very positive signs for um, owners like myself he had the 12 contested possessions and the seven clearances as well I'm really excited about owning him for this season I think he's he's in for a big year and I just need Melbourne to win a couple more games because I know he's going to play a big part in those ones yeah, and same can be said with Clayton Oliver as well. Just the 95 in this one gave away three free kicks. So I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's crazy to say that he probably should have and would have turned up on most other occasions here. But 
yeah, just not exactly producing the goods. Obviously had that 140-plus score last week, but besides that, two sub-tons. I just think when Melbourne finally get it together, they'll both just skyrocket. And if you didn't start them, you're looking at them for a cheaper price. Uh, not Angus Pressure. If you didn't start Clayton Oliver and Max Gorn, for example, you're looking at them for a cheaper price. But besides that, they're still going to be up in their, their top echelon of players. So I don't think owners have to be too concerned and I definitely wouldn't consider trading out. So that's pretty much all I've got to talk about on the Melbourne side. Maybe just the uh, the guy down at the bottom of the list there, Pistol. You've got your eye on him uh, pre-podcast. <laughs> Looks like he might drop down to a, a possible downgrade for from one of our rookies eventually. <laughs> um, I think you're talking about uh, one of my favorite players, Tom McDonald. He only scored the 26 this week um, with that, that ankle injury. They said he's probably, I think they said he's unlikely to play this weekend as well. So he's coming off three games where he has not looked particularly great. Um, a 59, a 51, and a 26. So he's already dropped 80K down to 450K. He's got a break even of 190. Um, when he does return, it might be just in time for whenever Darcy Moore is peaking. And they're probably going to end up at a pro- almost a price equivalent. And you'd think if Ds are going to start winning matches, it's going to be on the back of Tom McDonald kicking a couple of bags. So certainly someone to keep your eye out for in the future. Although at the moment, it's not great signs. Yes, not great signs indeed, obviously, start of the season with a few sub-60 scores now. Uh, we'll move on to the Essendon side. Not a lot of relevance here, unfortunately, for Essendon fans, but Zach Merritt, 120, a bit of a bounce-back effort from him, and he's received attention the last couple of games and, and actually handled it quite well, Pistol. Yeah, it's it's really good signs, actually. He, he is getting attention um, more than he's got before, and he's scoring fine, so... That, that is really positive science. I mean, Bombers won. They did look better, but again, they need to carry this confidence into the next couple of weeks. They did beat up on Ds, who are just all over the place at the moment. Um, it's, yeah, it's a wait and see with Merritt. I, I'm still not entirely sure how I'm feeling about it, but he is scoring well, and we'll just um, yeah ride that wave if you have him. A man averaging 85 supercoach points. Uh, we all probably had higher expectations. Did get the ton this week. Devin Smith, uh, what are your thoughts on him? Owners that started him have now seen two sub-tons and a, a score that has only just uh, fractured the ton mark. So uh, reason for concern, I don't think he's getting the exact midfield time that he was, but some someone that I wouldn't be looking really to move out of my team still. Uh, I don't know. If, if Essendon start turning it on, I could easily see him averaging 95 plus from here on out. I just... Maybe, maybe, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, I'd say bias, but I don't really, like, I don't dislike Essendon, so I'm not really sure where it would be coming from. But Sounds like you do. But <laughs> he, he had 15 touches and nine tackles and two goals, and that feels kind of like peak Dev Smith for this season. I don't see him playing in the midfield and getting 25 touches in a game. Nine tackles was good compared to what he's been getting in the last couple of weeks. I think this is going to be one of his better scores for the season. I'm still not feeling wow. great about Dev Smith for this season. Again, they, they play Brisbane next week. Which is not a good fixture. No, it's, it's not. I mean, North Melbourne's a good fixture. Then you've got Collingwood, Geelong, Swans, which is probably a good fixture. It's just a mi- real mixed bag for Essendon, just like them. They're an entire mixed bag. I'm not really sure where they go. If you traded him last week, 
I think that's perfectly fine, especially if you've got yeah. Tim Kelly, who looks like just a 10 times better player than, than Dev Smith at the moment for your forward lines. If you held on to him, you can't really do anything now. You just keep holding him along for the ride and reassess later on. Um, so it's not the end of the world, but I don't think I'd, give I'd him be a looking couple at, more weeks. I don't, I don't think I'd look to you know trade him in. Yeah, no, definitely not a trading option for those that started him. I'd hold patience for a couple more weeks. Maybe it was a slow start, uh, tackle count a bit lower, maybe due to the bicep injury, but it doesn't feel like something that would really limit someone like Devin Smith, especially considering you can keep up your aerobic uh, activity during that injury stint anyway. So, yeah, look, I'd be concerned as a Dev Smith owner, but at the same time, I wouldn't be putting him on the chopping block this week, especially if you held him through that first price drop. So, moving on, uh, the player that just came in for the first time uh, this season, Zach Clark, 49 Supercoach points. Looked a bit of a mess, Pistol. I'm not sure a lot of Essendon fans want to see him back out there ever again. I uh, saw some causes to not drop him, but actually just delist him altogether. So maybe a tad harsh on Zach Clark. Uh, Essendon fans are very prickly at times, but not someone that we're going to look at bringing in. If you started him, Pistol, what do you do with him? You just hold him. There's nothing you can. It's not really worth a trade. But to be honest, it was hard to swallow this game. The umpires were, uh, I was going to say, on the ball, but I meant like they were very um, whistly during this match. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, so I'm not trying to read too much into this game. I think it might be a bit, a little bit of an outlier, just the entire thing. I think it's just best if we, we move on and maybe uh, revisit all these uh, decisions in the next couple of weeks. Okay, well, we will move on to the Carlton versus Sydney game played on Saturday. Uh, firstly, Patrick Cripps, 157. If you're not considering him as a vice-captaincy slash captaincy option every week, then you're doing something wrong. I think he's just in absolute peak form and will be doing stuff like this each and every week. I, don't, I think he's fixture-proof as well, Pistol. I, I yep. don't think he'll have problems scoring against any team. Yep. Sammy Walsh, on the other hand, 112 points, 28 disposals. We said it on, not last week, the week before's podcast, that he just does not go below 24 disposals. If he is even going near your bench, Pistol, then you definitely need to reconsider as well. <laughs> uh, just great signs from him, though, with 112 points. He's close to my bench. That's why my team structure is awful. And <laughs> I could be doing better, and I'm not, just because I have to bench Constable so I can play Walsh every week. Um, oh, Lord. Yes, it's, it's been uh, stressful. But Walsh just keeps delivering, and uh, Carlton have a couple more games at uh, Marvel Stadium, and... You know, he's obviously scored well here and hopefully he can continue scoring well for the rest of the games at Marvel. But I think the the biggest thing to me is JB, he played ninety percent time on ground in his third That's AFL huge match. For a kid. Huge for a kid. That's insane. Like he his fitness is unbelievable. Cripps himself played ninety four percent time on ground. So yeah, when you when you're playing that much and you've got such good scoring potential anyway, I mean I know where go hand in hand, but yeah, these guys, they're just unreal super coach picks. Also, 13 contested disposals from someone in their third game is just unbelievable to me. Like, he doesn't seem like that big a body. Like, his build isn't. Eight clearances as well? Yeah, it's, it's, he's not Patrick Cripps. Like, he's not six foot five and, you know, 120 kilos of just pure muscle, but <laughs> he's getting those clearances and those contested possessions. It's amazing to see, really, but someone that will be riding until pretty much the bye. Uh, he's going to make a lot of money for us. So we'll move on. Nick Newman, uh, Pistol. If you had him round one, then, I mean, we saw the Twitter fallout. 
everyone's pretty much counting their chickens and, and you know pretty much locking themselves in the top 100. But scores of 82 and 68 past that uh, versus Port Adelaide and Sydney, not great signs. And this is kind of what we expected. He was going to have a high ceiling as we saw at Sydney. But besides that, he can just put out these scores. You know, 68 this week is far too low for someone that you'd want to be keeping all season. He now has a break-even over 90, and maybe owners are considering what to do with him. Well, what what would you do if you had Nick Newman? I'd, def- I'd hold him. I mean, he still had 20 disposals. Uh, I mean, he, he looked good and still had a decent game. He 84 Dream Team, converted to 68 Supercoach. Usually, you'd expect it to be the other way around for someone who's an intercept-marking defender, but intercept I wouldn't be holding him defender. for too much longer. I mean, well, he, get, he gets a few... I mean, he got five marks this game. He does get quite a few. He's not marks. Sam Collins. I mean, his, his positioning <laughs> is very good. You'll see a lot of his disposals come from well-placed uh, positioning in the defending 50. But anyway, I get your point. Um, <laughs> 55% of disposal efficiency obviously really hampered his scoring. Uh, I, I think I, I would also hold and just... Hold, you, how much money is he going to lose? Basically none. He's just going to kind of hover at his starting price and... Just hold them to the buyers if you need to and then reassess unless you have the exact money and you're short on, you know, you missed out on Lloyd or Whitfield or something and you can make the move, then I guess you could use him. But otherwise, I'd just be holding him. What about a man by the name of Cade No Sleeves Simpson? Now, when we were considering him in the preseason, I don't think anyone thought he'd come out three games in a row without sleeves on, but we're in that reality right now, Pistol, and it wasn't even hot over the weekend, so... I mean, Cade Simpson has, has not started well. He's averaging 72 supercoach, and for someone that we're used to seeing in that top you know, four defenders every single year, I don't know if Nick Newman's overly affected him, but he, he must have had some effect. And besides that, I saw Cade having stints up forward on the weekend, so I, I just don't know what to make of him. Well, as you said, it's all in the sleeves. It's like, you know, that that's where his power comes from. So if he's not wearing any sleeves. He's just not a super coach option. It's it's as simple as that, Jay, but you don't need to overthink this. <laughs> so if you started Cade Simpson, what would you be doing now? Ooh, I guess uh, that's... Yeah. What, what can you do? Uh, I think you... Wow, that is a tough question. I'm not sure if you have... The thing is, like, I'd like to get him to a Whitfield or a Lloyd in one trade. I wouldn't really want to use multiple trades on it if i if i couldn't do that i just hold it and ride it out i think and just hope that they come good but i'm really not really not like thinking that he's going to be a top six uh defender there's no confidence in this no he he only had 12 disposals so like 12 that, that must be one of his lowest ever i'm not looking it up i mean i know he's got games in 30 super coach and he gets tags but this is a game where he didn't get tagged and he just couldn't get any points it's it's very strange um big big worrying signs there well speaking of worrying signs we had Setterfield put up a 37 and Gibbons put up a 17 so make sure you look this weekend to uh, see that they're named again I assume Setterfield will quite easily keep his spot I'll be surprised if Gibbons is dropped but at the same time if he was dropped, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. So either way, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But hopefully they <laughs> keep gets past spots. you, JB. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hedging, okay? Yeah, um, anyway, we'll move on to Sydney. And Isaac Heaney burnt a lot of people um, because a lot of people traded him out last week. Came out with 137 Supercoach. 
And a lot of people are saying uh, heavily weighted by goals. He did kick four of them, but Pistol, he plays in the forward line. He's there to <laughs> kick goals. No, he plays in the midfield and he gets 26 touches playing on the wing, which is... Well, he does, does an- both. Another way to score points. And even without the goals, he probably still comes close to a ton. Um, yeah, this is... This is a Heaney. This is the reason we started him. Like this is Isaac Heaney that we wanted. So hopefully, in the next five, ten rest of the season weeks, he's just this type of player. Which is very possible. And if you traded him out, then you might be looking to trade him in in a few weeks' time, Pistol. So yep. a, a bit of a swift lesson, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you stuffed up. We'll move on to Jake Lloyd, 130 Supercoach points. We've referenced him a few times now in, in reference to the players that are underperforming and who we might want to trade them to. And Jake Lloyd is just at the head of that list. Yep. And he probably won't score below 115 without having something seriously wrong with him. What do we, what do, we do if we didn't start Jake Lloyd? Because, I mean, he wasn't the most popular player. He didn't have a huge JLT series. And... Although he's the the highest price and the safest option, thirty percent of teams, so seventy percent of people don't have this player, and he looks amazing. So your question was, what do you do if you don't own him? Yes. You you cry, you just call, curl up that into it. a ball, okay. and you rock slowly forwards yep. and then backwards and then forwards Got again, it. while the tears are running down your face. Sure. Yeah. No. That that does make sense. Uh, once you've done that, is there anything you do to try and get him in super coach, or is that is is it just repeat the crying thing well, what are you meant to do unless you have an underperforming primo that you can get there it's not like you're going to be trading underperforming primo to get to him so there's your options are very limited at the point in time like you kind of how far would you stage, go in terms of underperforming premiums trading up to Jake Lloyd like you know Royal Laird has put out enough to think that he'll still be in that top six mix is he someone that you'd you no. know, someone's like, I've got the exact amount of money for Jake Lloyd. No, I wouldn't trade Laird to Lloyd. I, I wouldn't trade, like, unless you have Jaden Short or somebody. Maybe, maybe at a, if you could do, like, Dusty to Stack and then Hoare to Lloyd or something. That's where um, it's at, yeah. I think that's your best play. But honestly, at this point in time, you just, this is, I know how you're feeling. This is how I felt. Last year with Grundy, with Lloyd again, and with um, Cripps, where I just watched them for the last like seven weeks of the season score above 130, and there was just nothing I could do about it. And I'm like, oh, well, that's that. And <laughs> you, you can't afford them, and you're hoping they have a bad game so that they can drop so that you can get them. But at this point in time, we're in round three, and people generally aren't going to be upgrading till like round six and seven. Just the next, it's going to be a really tough three weeks for you. And sorry, it's uh, it's going to be tough. I'm sure your sorry meant a lot to them, but yeah, that pretty much wraps up that game, pistol. Yep, it does. Let's uh, excellent. Move on. I always ask your permission because me going on to the next game and asking a full question, doing a full recap, and then you saying, "Yeah, but this guy back on the last game <laughs> <laughs> always does my head in." But yeah, so buddy, I'm kidding, I'm <laughs> I was kidding, gonna mention kidding, him as well. I'm kidding, let's go on. Oh no. 50-point winners, GWS, uh, took this one over Richmond. And it was, as much as it was the Jeremy Cameron show, we don't own him as Supercoach. A lot of people do own Lockie Whitfield, 152 Supercoach points. And looking like he'll be in that Lloyd-type uh, echelon, but surely he doesn't go the season without a tag. 
Well, you'd think so. He had 42 possessions at 76% efficiency. And not just that, like, every time he did something, like, magic happened. It was crazy how damaging he was. He was so good in this game. I, I would be shocked if he could get through the season without copying any attention from anyone. So if you didn't start him, there is a little bit of solace in that he might be at a lower price at some point. Uh, he doesn't obviously historically handle the tag or tag too well. So when he does cop it, we could be looking at a 70-ish, 80-ish, maybe a bit of a price drop. But, you know, for those who started him, perfect start. And, you know, pat on he, the back. He, yeah, big pat on the back. There's no looking back now. So we will move on to your man. Just thought I'd mention Cornelio back to 100-plus scores. And Josh Kelly was back in this one. Do you think that'll have a major effect on him? I know you and Chizo spoke about it last week, but having seen it for the first week, who would you throw the tag to out of him... Uh, Cornelio, Kelly, and Whitfield. I mean, I, I would tag... Oh, gosh. Can, can you tag Kelly? Like, is he not no. good enough? That like, Yeah, he's what, too good. He's too good for it, right? So, I don't know. Okay, tag was very effective against Cornelio, but I still feel like he would be the third choice out of Kelly and Whitfield if you had to put a body on someone. Um, yeah, that, that's a tough call. We'll see how this plays out in the next couple of weeks. I don't think anyone's planning on bringing Kelly... Um, just after coming back from injury, just the 22 touches for him, and he still managed to score 95. So he'll work his way into it this season, and I'm not really too worried about Cornelius 102. I, it just wasn't his game where he could go absolutely bonkers, but um, that doesn't mean next week the same won't be said. Um, Zach Williams, though, 101 points. Uh, perfect, right? This is all we wanted? Yeah, I mean, 25 disposals, and I can't believe he didn't lay a single tackle. Did give away three kick, three free kicks as well, so he could have gone huge. I just at this point of the season, I see a lot of people sort of umming and ahhing about him. Like we expected premium numbers at this point, but you could tell. And if you watch the game, as soon as they get out to a decent lead, which they've done in almost every game now, obviously actually they've done two out of three weeks. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you just see exactly like Zach Williams gets a couple of touches, and as soon as you see that he's had to sprint, you know back and forth, back and forth a couple of times. They just bring him straight to the bench. They're, they're wrapping him a little bit in Cottonwall, and I think that 76% time on ground will rise through the season. And then uh, at the same time, I think they'll try and get it in his hands more throughout the season as well. So he's yep. building, and a, a score of 100-plus at this point, I think is is just big big ticks. Yep, I think that was a very good call because that 76 was actually the third lowest in GWS. Um, Sheridan getting injured was the lowest. So he really was at that, you know, that guy that was getting, being benched um, just sporadically throughout the whole game. So that you, you would expect that time on ground to rise up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, the biggest talking point of this game might actually be Sydney Stack debuting and coming to our squads at 102k midfield eligible. Now, it comes at such an awkward time because we're only coming into round four now. His price rise will be after round five. So we've got a whole other week to look at him, but there's barely anyone to trade down to him. If you've got Gibbons, he's only made 20K. If you've got Scott, I don't expect him to be dropped, but if he does get dropped, he's only made 40K. It's hard to really look at anyone to trade down to him, but would you excuse Gibbons owners or um, Scott owners if either of those two players miss out on this week or next week in you know jumping and, and dropping down to stack on the bubble. Let's yeah, let's wait and see how he goes in the next week. I mean, need I remind you, Bailey Scott scored 103 in the first week and he's only 
you know, made 40K. So it's not like, you know, this guy's definitely going to make, you know, 100K. Let, let's wait okay. and see how we go. But I mean, I'll rephrase. Hold up, hold up. Okay. If Gibbons and Scott fail to get named this week, and considering Richmond's out, we see Shaw out for now eight weeks and the list goes on, Sydney Stack's job security seems very good. Would you excuse anyone going early on Sydney Stack, even though that is generally a cardinal cardinal sin in Supercoach? I don't know why you would need to go early. Like, there's no point, right? Just wait one more week and make sure that he's named in the third game. What happens if he gets injured? What happens if Gibbons or Scott comes back in the next week? I think there's too many variables. You need to see how he's going to score. I think what I liked was... I, I was watching him and I thought, okay, he's probably not going to score too well. But then as soon as Short went down and Stack moved into the back line, I'm like, okay, here we go. And he looked awesome. Like he, he did so many great things. His kicking efficiency was really high. And this is definitely, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to bang out the hundreds every week, but he looks capable in that role of at least scoring, you know, 70s here and there um, throughout the season. And if he can even play in that role for eight weeks... You know, that would be ridiculously Huge. good. But don't forget, we've got like Hooley and, and other players, um, I think, that are, yeah. that are going to come back as well. So I, I wouldn't go early because I just want to see, I want to make sure where he's playing because he's going to be very, you know, positional dependent on his, on, for, you know, what we get out of him. His scores. Yep. And you're going to move on to someone else before I cut you off? Was I? Maybe not. Uh, I'll do it for you. Dustin okay. Martin in this one scored 60 super coach points. Not only did he score a lowly 60 super coach points, but he got himself rubbed out for two weeks. Now, I mean, maybe he challenges it and gets down to one, but what we know now is that he's out for two more weeks. If you were a Dusty owner, would you have built a time machine and gone back to the start of the season and just not started him at all? Yes, that is exactly what I would do if I had Dusty. Um <laughs> But honestly, I can see people are saying that they're going to hold him and he's going to like bounce back. You're holding a guy that's had two scores in the 60s and he's Not out for two weeks. Not injury-affected scores either. No, I'm sure Richmond will bounce back, but this is just not how you want your season to go. Like you're not... Unless, unless I should say, if you're like me for some silly reason and you have Constable stuck on your bench and you've got no way of playing him, you probably could get away with it. But I still, I still probably wouldn't do that. Like I'd just no. restructure my team and downgrade him to, to stack and you know upgrade um, and, and get an extra premium in my forward line or back line or whatever it may be. But I think it's time if you if you start with Dusky Dusty, you just need to. I, I said it in an earlier podcast, but it's, you know sometimes you make mistakes and the people who adapt the quickest are the ones that will be better off. I wouldn't say this is a, a rash trade, like just blindly trading because one. There were so many question marks about actually him being a good super coach pick to start the season. And now it's looking like after three games, I know it's a small sample size, but it's not even looking like he will be a good super coach pick for this season. And he's out for two weeks. So you've got really five games where you're like, eh, this isn't this hasn't gone well. So for me, he hasn't lost enough money that you can't get anyone good. You can still afford some decent players and I think just that's what I would be doing this week is uh yeah, getting rid of him if I had him. Well, we'll talk about that now. If you were a Dusty owner, uh, who are you looking immediately to as his replacement? As you said, he's lost a little bit of money, but not enough to actually make it. So we have to trade in like a bloody, I don't know, who's very cheap in the midfield, Sydney Stack. Um, 
But where are the best options? He's 520k. He's obviously he's only lost 40k thus far, which you know it could be lucky for those people that he did get suspended for a couple of weeks because now it gives you the perfect excuse if the 60 last week and this week wasn't enough for you already. But he's going to go down a lot more in price when he does come back. And so, like, where are you looking straight away as your immediate reaction from 520k? I think you've got a couple of options. I think number one, you need to look at the structure of your midfield. If you're playing like Walsh and Constable on field, you could probably free up another on-field slot if you have like Butters or if maybe if Stack turns out to be a good scorer as well. You might want to play three midfield rookies and then you know take a rookie off your forward line or in your back line by upgrading a rookie um, that's not making much money. If you've got a Bolter or you've got a Whore, um, you know. Possibly, I was going to say Burgess, but I'm not not really sure at this point in time. But just a rookie that you don't think is going to make that much money, and you you can you know get a premium player in for them. Um, that might be the go this week. But if you wanted a direct replacement for a midfielder, if you had no money in the bank, you can still just afford like a Jack Steele. If you had a little bit of money in your bank, you could probably end up getting like a Brayshaw. But if you had a lot of money in the bank. There's no question, JB, that I'd be going after Lockie Neal in this situation. Yeah, and that's, yeah, with those people with a lot of money in the bank, that's a very obvious choice. Lockie Neal looks great. Uh, if you didn't start someone like Tom Libertori, this is a good opportunity to drop down yeah. to them before they rise too much in price as well. Uh, and even if you've got a lot of faith in Dom Sheed, which I personally don't, but he started well, if you didn't start him and, and like the look of him, it's a good time to just correct that early mistake of starting Dusty and, and get someone like that in. So... I think there are a lot of options around, but at the same time, it's team and opinion specific. So, I mean, each person has their different players that they're probably looking at. So we'll move on to the next game. It's Collingwood going down to West Coast. And look, Pistol, I was wondering why I couldn't get in contact with you for a few days after Saturday, but this does actually explain a lot. (laughs) Like today? (laughs) Yes, exactly. We haven't spoken since since then and until now. Sure. Um, We'll pretty much uh, we'll fly through these ones. There's not a lot of relevance going on here, but Darcy Moore did cop a bit of a, a knock and still whacked out a 79, so it does look brilliant. Besides that, Jack Crisp, just the 56 points. If you started him, he obviously had a great score last week, so no reason to trade him out, but it looks like he's going to be very cheap in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, so back to the Richmond game. Uh, Noah Bolter was uh, left off. <laughs> Um, I am just teasing. I, don't think I am just really cares about him. I am, I am just teasing, but it, damn it, it uh, don't 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 stress too much. Uh, if you Hook do line have Bolter, um, yes, you did take the bait. Um, Crisp is going to be cheap, as you said. I'm not sure it's at the right time though, because we're not really in the upgrading season. So we'll see how he goes in the next couple of weeks. Maybe he can maintain a lower price for a couple of weeks, and he could be an early upgrade target. But that's probably not. Um, worth talking about now because we'll be able to judge it in the, the next few weeks. Um, JB, let's skip the Collingwood side because everyone performs kind of how you would expect. I did want to talk about a specific Eagles midfielder. That is Elliot Yo, just the 85. He's fallen a lot in cash. He has a very high break even. Um, he's obviously had a slow start to the season, um, scores in the 80s, and that would just be you'd think, because of that interrupted preseason. He's still got a break-even of 160 and is 530k. Um, I'm expecting him to fall 
somewhere around 500, maybe sub 500, which is great price for Elliot Yo. But is it has it come at a too early time in the season? Yeah, just as you said with Crisp, it's probably a bit too early. But I mean, we never know. Things things happen and injuries happen. I mean, as we see now, Dusty's out for a couple of weeks, so it might line up perfectly with something else. But yeah, it does look a bit early. And at the same time, as much as we can say it was the limited preseason, I'm not too keen on trading someone in who's putting out scores of 80 each week so he wouldn't be high on my priority list I mean maybe if it was an injury affected score that had got him down so low I'd be obviously heavily considering it but yeah maybe it's not Elliot's year for the at least the first uh you know couple of months now so we'll see how he bounces back after this poor start and and what do you think of people like what do you think people should do uh, if they started Jack Darling, just the 50 super coach points this week. I'm coming off a, a 90 last week and a 75 the week before. It doesn't quite look like he's going to be in that top, you know, echelon of forwards. But is it actually worth a trade, or would you just hold him? Uh, I mean, if you if you think exactly as you just did, then that he's probably not going to be in that top echelon of forwards, which I personally agree with, then I don't see any issue in the corrective trade at the moment. It's 443k, so he hasn't depreciated that much. Uh, he's still at a decent enough price to you know switch to someone like maybe if you, you have faith in Dowhouse. Or... The thing with Darling is he's, he's in that awkward buy. It might be actually a good time to fix up your buy structure as well, open up a spot for Tim Kelly. Yeah, so I'd not be holding on to him with too much uh, confidence. I think I kind of disagree. I would hold him because Darling is someone that is inconsistent and can go on runs of like big, big games. So I think his price, whilst it might drop in the immediate future, I have full faith that he'll get back up to this price at the stage, probably, well, hopefully closer to the buy. So when he's playing, you know, round seven and eight against Gold Coast and St Kilda and then Melbourne, who knows if they'll bounce back by then, that's definitely a three-game period where I would expect his price to go up and some big scores to occur. So I, unless there was, you know, some circumstance where you need to fix up your team in other ways, um, you know, that that take, you know, immediate importance and you need to free up cash, you know, using Darling, I think I would just be holding him out from now on. Yeah, I mean, if I hadn't used a trade up until this point, I wouldn't have any issue with people trading him out because I'd... I mean, I'm of the thinking that it's a foul pick. If you're not, if you've got confidence like Pistol does, then absolutely no issue with holding him. Obviously, he's a fallen premium at this point. But for those who are you know, starting to have doubts and starting to think that he, he might not get along that top eight range from here, then yeah, I've got no issue with you burning a trade on him at this stage. So we will move on if I'm allowed, Pistol. You are most definitely allowed. Thank you for asking this time. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it was Brisbane taking down Port at the Gabba this week. Say it again. It was Brisbane getting the umpire's <laughs> help to defeat Port Adelaide Ooh. this weekend. Controversial? Maybe not. Lockie Neal, 177 supercoach points. Uh, ducked his way into a late goal as well, which definitely helped his <laughs> supercoach scoring. Hey, Pistol, if you go back and watch that replay, you'll see. But okay. 177... That was the uh, sole reason why Brisbane beat Port Adelaide. I mean, it, it, it did get them ahead, but you know, we'll, we'll ignore it. We'll pretend it, it wasn't important, but... 177 Supercoach points, uh, literally did everything you pretty much could have. Uh, four free kicks, four, didn't give away any, kicked goal, 25 contested possessions, 16 clearances, 16. only the three clangers for the whole entire match out of his 427 disposals was absolutely amazing. <laughs> Big score in Supercoach. Now, if you don't have Lockie Neal 
and you like me and yourself who have actually quite functional midfields, we just have to wait for an eventual drop, don't we? Yep, and see uh, the Jake Lloyd reaction, you know, apply to Lockie Neal. So um, if you need me, I'll be curled up in the ball in the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, with that being said, we'll move on. Uh, not a lot more relevance on the Brisbane side of things, but Port do have quite a few rookies uh, in and amongst it. So considering they've already gone up in price, not a lot to talk about. Tom Rockcliffe is probably the best bet to start here. 36 points after getting knocked out. Is likely to play this week, but was on 36 when he got knocked out about midway through the, the third quarter. So wasn't looking at a great score anyway. Should Rockcliffe owners be concerned if he does miss a week this week? It's sort of in that sort of range where it could be concerning, but at the same time, you could just shrug it off and, and think he was having a bad game against his old team, first time back at the Gabba and, and got knocked out sort of thing. Well, I was watching the Collingwood game, so, I mean, you tell me how Rockliffe was playing until that point and if they should be concerned. Oh, well, he had 15 disposals midway through the third. He wasn't going to, wasn't looking like he was going to get 30. Uh, it only laid one tackle for the match. Wasn't dominating, but like I said, but it could role? be the... The come home, he had the same role. He was fine in that in the role. wasn't getting tagged at all. I don't think Mitch Robinson even looked in for the match, so that wasn't an issue. And yeah, just got that head knock. So maybe look, I, I'm going to chalk it up to just a down day. At the first time back at the game, I was getting booed every time he touched the footy. You know, someone that that did you know, was captain of the club, and that would be you know kind of unfortunate to go through. But I think he'll bounce back if he plays this week. I'd expect him to get back into the triple figures. Well, and I'll uh, support that. I also, I wouldn't trade Rocky. I think just hold it and you can reassess later at the buy. There's plenty of time. Um, Drew, though, he seemingly was pushed out by the return of Wines. Uh, very limited center bounce attendances. Basically didn't get the ball. Just the nine touches and 36 super coach points. Is this something we should expect from him now? Like, is this now his true scoring potential? Or like what people were playing him on the field. Like, what do we do next week, JB? Nah, I'd still be confident playing. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be confident playing him on the field, but there were so many instances where he was the next link in the chain and instead of doing the extra hand pass, you know, we kicked or uh, he was around the, the possession and the Ruckman, you know, won it to the left instead of the right, but he was by himself. Like, there was just so many instances where he saw it and if things went his way, he could have he could have had a mountain more disposals, but it just didn't. And, you know, he was, like I said, Always that next link in the chain that just wasn't getting used. I think next week he'll be okay for a score around 60-plus like what we expected before the season. I don't think 90 is his true range, but I don't think 30 is either. So the same Port Adelaide players were avoiding him. Do they have something against Gingers, JB? They must, yeah, 100%. Well, sounds like a great club. That. Yeah, this, this, uh, this club really is uh, one for the uh, fans. I mean, at least we didn't lose to West Coast four times in the last 12 weeks of football. Yeah, I'm insert Jake Lloyd fetal crying position. (laughs) Back to the Jake Lloyd crying. Okay, well, speaking of that, Justin Westhoff owners, not happy pistol. No, just the 39 this week after a terrible score last week. Those that did Grundy to Westhoff after the first week. Oh, my Lord. I I don't want to know if anyone actually still plays the game if they'd done that. I, I didn't even know what you would do with yourself. like Fetal position? Yeah, fetal position. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, that, what, what, what is going on with Westhoff? Like he, he, I, last week he still played on the wing and he just 
the ball was playing through the corridor and he couldn't get near it. This week he played more up forward, but the ball just kept going to Rosie. So so what's going on here? Well, I think we can all agree that Rosie's a gun, and if anyone traded green to Rosie this week, deserves yep. big, big kudos because very ballsy move. But oh, oh, that's right, I forgot that I did that. Yeah, no, good, good job by me. But Westhoff, on the other hand, is in career worst form. I don't think he would have had too many times instances in his career in the last you know ten years of it where he's actually been relevant, um, where he would have scored sub sixty or sub seventy two weeks in a row. So. He's obviously struggling to find the footy at the moment, but he always bounce back, bounces back, and it's rare that you see a top sort of six to eight forward line without him in it. So I've got confidence that he'll bounce back. Uh, I mean, if I owned him at the moment, I'd be scared and upset. I'd probably go straight back to that fetal position. But yeah, I, I don't think he's a man that stays down for too long, and he's pivotal to Port being competitive. So I think he'll be up and about again in a couple of weeks, maybe. So... Boke was, I'm going to say tags, but I mean, he absolutely destroyed Barry. 35 touches, 5 marks, 15 contested possessions, 7 clearances, 136 supercoach points. And that was with um, 6 clangers, but 3 frees against. Is Boke, I mean, it sounds silly saying it out loud after reading out those stats, but is he a lock for a top 6 forward, or was it just... Port Adelaide had three somewhat easy opponents and now he's going to revert back to the, these 85s that we, we're used to seeing from him. Uh, I'm not sure we've had three somewhat easy opponents. I think all three have been competitive and, you know, although we uh, Melbourne yes. don't look like they're competitive at the moment. but No, they don't. Not, not Carlton, you're right, is similar level, so it was a very competitive match. And, and Brisbane obviously being a, a little bit better. Brisbane are and, good. Defeating Port, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's been a crazy good run, but at the same time, if Port are competitive, you can expect Boak to be good. And the fact that he's playing so little in the forward line and and dominating in the midfield, that spot in the midfield is his for the season. And I can't see any instance in which he somehow ends up dropping to, you know, a 95 to 100 average. I think he goes 100 plus this year. All right. That's... uh... There we go. We'll take it. You heard it here first. 100 plus for Boke this year. Let's I mean, move on to the next game. He's had a good start. He's already over 120, so it'd be hard to stuff up from here, but we'll move into early, the next game. Early days. <laughs> yeah, very early days. Western Bulldogs did lose to Gold Coast. How good are Gold Coast, just quietly? Um, I think they got completely outplayed by Bulldogs for about... After... 15 minutes of the first quarter, probably Bulldogs were just much better and could not kick goals from like within 30 metres, so they just lost them. I think I think Bulldogs were playing very cocky. They, were, they thought they were just going to walk all over the Suns. The Suns put up a fight, and Bulldogs had them, but then they just couldn't convert the goals, and this is what happens. I think that makes happens. it more impressive because they're such a young side. To be composed after getting off to that start and having a team like the Bulldogs, who do look great as well this year, at Bulldogs home deck as well to be able to hold them off in the end I, yeah I'm just super impressed by them I don't think anyone would have expected this sort of result um, either of the the three results that have happened thus far two have happened uh, so th- crazy good start I think the, my favorite part which is probably um, not appreciated by many is that Gold Coast had 71 hitouts and Bulldogs had 16 <laughs> wow <laughs> like, like well, that's that's their their second backup ruck 
and in Peter Wright, who didn't play that much in the ruck. Like he, he was pretty much forward. He had more hitouts than Tim English. <laughs> like And their backup ruck combined. Yes. He had more more hit out. He had more hitouts than Bulldogs combined. So <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it was actually it was pretty funny, and I'm I'm not sure what Wits did wrong um, to get 52 hitouts and 11 possessions and 70 super coach points. Um, I know that the Bulldogs were sharking his taps, so he probably lost a lot of points through that. But it is uh, you know it's not fun to see you know that massive discrepancy. Just um, a quick look forward: who, which Ruckman has Gold Coast this week? Oh, you tell me. You're clearly looking at the fixture. Actually, uh, not Gold Coast. I mean Bulldogs. It's Collingwood. Oh, Grundy. Bulldogs. Yes. Well, I could have told you that. Um, yes. Yes. Grundy, VC, C, whatever you want. doesn't matter. <laughs> Captain. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves anyway. Yes. Liberatore, 150 Supercoach points. If you started him, then you're, yeah, ov- obvious yeah. that's a big win so far. If Is you it? didn't, he <laughs> hasn't gone up that much that you can't get him in at this point and... I'm not sure about you, but I'd recommend getting him in. Yeah, I think we're getting a similar question with Rosie as well, back from the previous game, is that after one price rise, is it too late to get them in? I think it's very different answers for both of those players. I think it, yep. you've missed the boat on Rosie now. I know yep. he's probably going to make you know, 70, 80k more from here on out, but that's just not really enough to justify a trade, whereas... Libba isn't anywhere near done. Like he's three hundred and eighty k, and his scoring rate is going to crack five hundred k. So you can, you can get a lot more money out of him and points. So I want you to go out on a limb here. Do you think it's possible that he goes into that top ten midfield? No, not possible. Did you want me to so, go out, go out on a limb and I'm just like no, <laughs> straight no, straight. It's no not going to happen. No. Yeah, no, you don't reckon. Oh, no. Okay, I think I don't think it's as cut and dry as that. I think I don't, I don't think you can trust the coach for the whole season. Like, but Libba did some incredible things, and he had twenty two contested possessions, but he still played a lot in the forward line. He just scored. In, I think it was five minutes before the end of the third quarter, and five minutes to start the fourth quarter. He scored fifty points. Just in that 10-minute period. No, he finished the fourth quarter well as well. He had like five disposals when they were trying to get that last goal to get ahead. Yeah, so he, he like is playing in the center at like the key times, but he did spend quite a lot of time forward as well. So I don't think that I can fully trust Bevo to play him in the midfield every time when the game's on the line. Like he's just going to... He's in form though, isn't he? He is in ridiculous form. and um, Crazy. Yeah, I mean, Bulldogs are as a whole. You've got... Bont, McRae, and Libba all going above, I think, what, 117. So Is Bont finally a genuine crazy. option? That's the same question. Like, I love Bont. He kicked zero goals, three, and still scored 124 points. Like, he could have gone massive. Seven clangers as well. I think he spent some time off the ground as well in the last quarter. I think, from memory, he got a bit of, like, a leg injury and then came back on. But the thing is... I won't be able to trust Bevo for the entire season. I mean, we see what happens with Dunkley, and I see him get thrown around the ballpark, and he's he's no good as a forward. Just put him in the midfield. The other players are better as forwards, but we just I can't tell you what's going to happen, so it makes it very hard to select these types of players. So on that, if you had Dunkley at the moment, is he on your radar to trade out, or are you holding faith with him? I think I think hold faith. I, I would definitely hold faith with Dunk, Dunkley and just hope that he gets more midfield time. It's not like he's scoring so poorly 
that is going to ruin your season. You know, like he scored 80. It's good enough for you not to, you know, cry <laughs> to get in that fetal position. Fetal position, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> he, it's okay. Like, I think we can hold. He might not make it into the top 10 forwards, but he, he might be there in the bouts. Let's just, let's just wait it out a little bit more and see what happens. I think we've spoken before about Caleb Daniel, uh, the effect that JJ might have. I'm very interested to see if JJ starts forward when he returns and if Caleb keeps that that lucrative rebounding halfback role because he's good at it. He he was good. He played in the back line for like majority of the game, but I think it was in crunch time, like right near the end of the game. I don't know if it was just he was pushing up on the wing um, because... You know the game was on the line, and they wanted to try and you know get their better players around the ball and stuff. But he he seemingly was in the forward line a little bit, like around the forward fifty mark. And I'm like, well, that's not a good role. So I'm hoping that was just because the game was on the line, and they wanted him around the ball because he did you know almost a game saving um, smother as well, and and uh, hitting the ball out of play right near the end of the match to you know give them another chance to kick it in, to keep it inside their forward fifty, but. It wasn't great that he was there in the first place. So um, I'm interested to see if he can just maintain his role throughout, you know, 23 games of the 22 games of the season. Yeah, so am I. And uh, just quickly on the Gold Coast side, Collins looked good, had a game of 79. Just uh, inset marks, pistol. Inset mark, inset mark, inset mark. So <laughs> inset marking defender, yeah. Yeah, uh, actually made... Yeah, a lot of points just based on the, that and 11 contested disposals. There was a vast majority in which he was leading the team for contested posies as a intercept marker. Did not see the bench either, Pistol. Yep. Nope. Only exactly. player in the game to not actually exit the, uh, the field of play. So very, very good signs. And do you think he's fieldable now? <laughs> it's one of those like fool me twice. Shame on you type things. But <laughs> He's had two good games in a row, though. He, he might just, have just found it. I think you just do it, and you're going to cop you know, poor scores. As in, as in, I copped three scores under 50 from my forward rookies. Like, how much worse is he going to go? I mean, people have... Could be four scores under 50. Yeah, they've, they've copped Bailey. People have copped Bailey Scott. There's just low scores a part of the game, and I feel like now he might be a bit more settled. Maybe his first game back nerves, but he, he looks fine, and I think... Um, He's feelable. I did want to say uh, Jack Lukosius actually dropped on his starting price. So he's gone Lovely. down to 190K, um, which is quite interesting. And lastly, um, the player that's kind of come completely out of nowhere to be averaging monster scores, um, 109 points per game, Jack Bose, JB, 410K. Any sneaky thoughts on Bose? I, I don't know enough about him. I, I actually, if he was in a police lineup, I wouldn't be able to pick him out. Yeah, I think nobody bows. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm just going to ignore that. <laughs> 25 disposals. That was actually pretty good. I'll, I'll pay that. 25 disposals, six tackles. Yeah, he's he started so well, but he can't keep it up. I mean, Gold Coast have been so competitive, and they're just not going to be competitive <laughs> for long. Well, so you'd expect them to start those losses and. Yeah, I, I expect a lot of their players, Fiorini included, he's come off like with a great start as well. I expect him to just start dropping down gradually as the season progresses. Uh, he's he scored a ninety-eight, a one-one-one, and a one-one-seven. He's building. He's going to get one-two-eight next week. Well, lock it in. It's against Carlton at at. Uh, <laughs> he actually might at Metricon. So who knows? Wow. Yeah, I, I was just. 
I was just looking, and I'm like, Carlton is probably actually going to go bigger. Um, but yeah, we, we don't know if he's going to be able to maintain this. I'd, I'd love him to do it for like eight weeks before you can actually consider jumping on. Um, but it's it's a massive gamble. It's kind of completely out of no ways. He's sorry, he's just actually 402k, so not, not 410 as advertised earlier. Yep, so that pretty much wraps up that one. We're going to move over to Hawks uh, versus North. Now, not a lot of relevance in this one, Pistol. In fact, barely any relevance in this one, Pistol, but James Sicily <laughs> did game. put out... <laughs> nah, that's a bit harsh, but James Sicily did put out a 95, uh, really turned it on late to rescue. It was going to be another poor score after last week. Looks like he's going to drop in price, but another one of those players that we just would rather drop in you know three or four weeks' time. He's not scoring like incredibly well that I'm seeing him as like a must-have defender. I think he's he's living on his you know scores from last season, but it's a new season, new tactics, and uh, it's not like he'd had this past history of you know dominating the scoring. So I'm I'm definitely not targeting him as like a, a must get him in like like kind of like a Whitfield. Um, so I'm happy to wait and see how he is at the buy and just maybe pick him up in that first buy round um, if I need to after the well, first buy round. Yeah. Bit harsh, but we'll move on to James Warple. 87 Supercoach points against the 60 Dream Team pistol. He is a Supercoach scoring machine and it's due to contested possessions and pretty much just being there when the, the game is on the line. So 87 points. Look decent again. If you do have him, obviously you're happy with what he's producing. If you don't have him, I don't think it's urgent to rush him in or, or even target him at this point at all. Maybe it's a buy time upgrade if he's looking like he's going to be top six. Well, he's one of those players that is just like really good at scoring points. So he had 27 touches. That's why he got 87 super coach. He just had one mark and zero tackles which is just so rare that this pretty much was just playing a pure possession game. Nothing else matters except me getting the ball. Um, I, I, I don't know for sure if he's going to be like a, a top necessary forward. Like I think you could get away without getting him um, throughout the season, but I also do think he will hover around that 90 average mark for the season. So if you don't have him and you just have enough and you can't really afford a true premium, um, I, I still don't think he's a bad option. Yeah, not at all. Now, uh, Chad Bringard debuting for Hawthorne in this one. Did put out an 82. So it looks like he's going to be building throughout the season. Uh, did give away a 50-meter penalty in this one and was really just getting back into it. Had a big last couple of quarters. So someone to keep an eye on as a potential upgrade. I uh, don't mind the look of him early. We'll move over to North Melbourne and Pistol. The man that you, I know you've been itching to talk about him all podcasts, but Sean Higgins, 133 Supercoach points. Uh, just what do you make of this guy? I really thought you were going to talk about Jasper Pittard there. So, I mean, you know how much we've been talking about him behind the scenes. <laughs> yes, I do. And I think that's why I didn't bring him up. <laughs> um, uh, but Sean Higgins, you yeah, know. Yeah, 133 yeah. points. I he hasn't had his hottest start to the season. Uh, nor have North Melbourne. And it doesn't look like he's going to kind of score in the same vein as last okay, season. Okay, that's enough out of you, all right? That's, just don't, let's, we'll move back, on. Back to Pittard. <laughs> <laughs> ben Cunnington, 118, averaging one of the uh, only 10 players in the league, as I was told pre-podcast by someone, to be averaging 120 plus. 118, he looks good. Does he? He's 23 contested possessions. He, he's he been known for that um, in the past. Does he? 
Yeah, I was like, does he look good? I'm, I'm not. It's it's hard because it's Ben Cunnington, and it doesn't feel right thinking that he's a top ten super coach player. But 23 contested possessions last week. Um, he had you know he scored 151, and he's someone that always has that potential to have massive games just because he gets so much contest, so many contested possessions, but. I can't trust him to go the whole season at an average of, you know, 110 plus. Yeah, neither can I. Uh, just a quick shout out to Jager before we move on. 132 Dream Team down to 86 Supercoach points. That's impressive. Who did you say? Jager, Omira, oh. 12 <laughs> tackles, 31 disposals, 11 of them uh, were contested, 9 clearances, and 86 Supercoach points. Yeah, I love the 11 clangers. That's uh, that's insane. That is a lot of clangers. That's, that's too many clangers. That yeah. pretty much cancels out his tackles. <laughs> he had 12 of those. Is that how it works? It's well, like... I mean, plus four, negative four, same, same. All right, and uh, Bailey Scott, 48 super coach points. So another game where he just went about his stuff. I, I think he'll hold. I've, I do he might be drops. I mean, he's kind of on that fringe where like someone's, a Hearn's going to have to play at some stage. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be for Bailey Scott. I hope he gets another game, JB, and continues to make a little bit more cash. Yeah, I think he will. I'm, I'm quietly confident that he'll, he'll go on. Now, we'll move on to the final game of the round. Uh, one of the biggest talking points at the moment, it was Fremantle taking down St. Kilda. Big games from Ryan and Walters, so if you selected them, a good job. I don't think they've shown enough yet this season to actually warrant us looking to trade them in at this point. Yep. But Mundy uh, did bounce back as well for those who traded him out. Just a special little reminder not to, but I mean... <laughs> you can't, you can't I know, say that. I know. That's all the signs, All the signs were there. All the signs were to trade him out. And yep. yeah, I think it's not, not so much a reminder, but more of like the... They're consistent. When you trade out a premium, they go big the next week. So I don't think people will regret trading him out that much, but just like that swift little reminder how uh, you know players just tend to do well after you trade them out. But we'll go on to the biggest talking point, and that is Ethan Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a huge talking point. Yes. Uh, I mean, you always do that to me, so I thought I'd pull one on you. But Nat Fife, obviously knocked out of this one. Um, <laughs> Knocked out in this one, uh, end of this one. 23 disposals, six You're playing tackles. with fire, making a KO joke. I know, I know. I didn't mean to, but then <laughs> just had to go with it. 23 disposals, six tackles. It was looking good until uh, the incident. And just the 63 super coach points. Now, if he misses this coming week, which if you saw the scenes of him uh, oh, getting carried off, you'd expect him to got be... to miss this, surely. Yeah, I mean, look... Ross said he was up and about in the change rooms afterwards, uh, was celebrating the win with his teammates, and uh, they released his schedule for the week, which was you know, rest tomorrow, see the doctors uh, the day after, and then be assessed after that. Uh, he's still a chance to play, but assuming he doesn't, which I think is the consensus at the moment, do Fife owners look to trade, considering you know just a couple of weeks ago, scoring 150, he was looking like one of the best pickups you know, for the season. JB, this is going to be contentious, but I think it depends on you know the news we get back. Let's say he's definitely ruled out for one week and they're unsure if he will return the week after, then I would actually 
lean towards trading him. I know that sounds crazy given he was the you know highest scoring player in the game, but there's just some things you need to consider. Like Fife generally doesn't play a whole season, and you know that doesn't mean that we, this isn't something you could have predicted. This doesn't count as one of the injuries that you're expecting Fife to get throughout the rest of the season. But you just need to think for the rest of the season. It might be difficult for him to play every single game. You have to consider people coming back from concussions sometimes don't come back to their best for like a month. Like they can still feel a little bit off for a, a little while. And you really don't want to be holding somebody that's going to be you know underperforming for a month, especially at that price. Um, you've got to take into account the fact that Lockie Neal looks like he's just gone to completely another level. So if you do have that cash in one trade and Fife is missing this week, and you don't have, let's say, you don't have a situation where you have Constable on the bench, then you still might be able to trade Fife to Neil in one trade. Then I would probably pull that trigger. Um, there's just so many unknowns with somebody. That that concussion wasn't like a Rockliffe concussion. Like Rockliffe got hit and he was out and then he you know, woke up and then he got up and he, you know, he was able to run off. Fife got hit and his eyes rolled to the back of his head and he was like convulsing on the floor and they could he couldn't walk off. They were dragging him by his, like he, he couldn't take steps. Like he was just Yeah, his feet wobbly. were dragging along behind him pretty much. Like that wasn't just like a little concussion. Like this was a huge head knock. And you know, I'm not a doctor and obviously they might play this week and then you don't even need to worry about what I'm saying. But I, I think you just need to carefully read um, the news, take it on board, and if it's looking like it, it's possibly more than one week, I would probably probably hold, get rid of. Yeah, I mean, if he's ruled out for this week, I don't see many reasons to trade. <laughs> I think he's just, he's quite obviously going to be in the top six midfielders, if like maybe even shorter than that, but he was dominating before the incident happened and you know ended on 63 he just looks like such a good player and and if he can be more of a point of difference for you in 2 weeks time and and playing again then you know trading him out just it could burn you so hard and you know, he's not going to his price doesn't matter to you if you hold him you know it it's just to me it just seems a bit crazy what two week injuries i can understand why people would want to trade but it's not often someone misses for you know with concussion for two straight weeks and you know as they said if he's looking to play this week which as we both said is super unlikely but the fact that it's even been discussed means that he has to be highly likely to play next week so we're expecting it to be a one week injury and I'm not sure about you pistol but I wouldn't put it past wife to come back and and just be absolutely fit and firing the week after after having a week off so I'm not in the camp to trade him unless it was guaranteed that he was going to miss two weeks. I know. I think head injuries are tough. Everyone reacts differently, and it, it's definitely going to be difficult to judge. And also, it's highly, highly team-dependent as well. So if you have other issues that you need to fix or, or whatever, and you can utilize this and utilize some cash from Fife or whatever it may be, um, you know, you might need to do it. But we can't speak as a whole, as like a general, this is what you must do because... In this case, in particular, and specifically for Fife, there's so many different things that we could tell different people just depending on their teams and their structures and where they're ranked and, and a whole bunch of things. Yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, as most things are, it's team dependent. But yeah, I just I wouldn't advise someone to trade out a top you know six option potentially for the rest of the season based on you know one missed week. So it's it could go either way. It's not 
cut and dry at all. Uh, we'll move over to the Saints side of things and not a whole lot of relevance except those who started with Billings after copping back-to-back 80-point performances were looking at a ton finally, Pistol. <laughs> yep, pretty much. 32 touches and uh, cost me my rivalry league matchup. So unfortunately, he outscored uh, Parker by more than 47 points, so I did lose my matchup. It's a little um, worrying that it took a goal in the last 10 minutes for him to get off that 80 mark again, though. I mean, he's got all the stats to be a lot higher than that, but just doesn't look like he's scoring like he should be. Yeah. I, I, it, it, he's just a frustrating super coach player to own. I think that's just what you're going to have to live with for the whole season because it's not worth dropping him or trading him out, I should say. And I don't think he's going to be a top six four, but you, you can't really trade him now. So um, just strap yourself into the roller coaster and... Hope that you have some hair left by the end of it. <laughs> Definitely. And I'll just say, uh, we haven't, I, well, I don't think any of us have made our uh, pledges to the Cancer Council this year, but I'll start, Pistol, I'll start us off. And I'm going to say Jack Steele, I predicted him to beat the tackling record this year, uh, beat Devin Smith. Anytime he goes a full game with less than, or yeah, less than five tackles. I'll pay $10 to the Cancer than Council. Fi- what about five or less? Yeah, five or less. That's what I mean. Okay, that's that's yeah. better. I like those so odds. Five, five or less tackles, I'll put $10 in the Cairns Council. He had eight this game, looking good for that tackling record. <laughs> he he has had a good tackling game. He was kind of trying to clamp Fife. I mean, he was Fife, tagging Fife hard, yeah. He, he Very had, hard. Fife had eight clangers, so, I mean, you did kept saying he looked good. I mean, he was getting to the ball. He wasn't, wasn't using it particularly well, but um, I think... Rowan Marshall is probably worth a mention given he's now scored back-to-back 111 points. We don't know a how. A lot but... of people are looking to trade him in. Is this a viable strategy? Their backup, well, their starting Ruckman, sorry, is set to return soon. I believe it's longer, but I'm not really one to keep up with St. Kilda's comings and goings. But when he comes back, what sort of role will Rowan Marshall even have in the team? Forward, I guess. But do you think, uh, do you know when... Long is meant to be back? No idea. I heard it soon, though. I thought it was within one or two weeks. Oh, I thought it'd be longer. No? no. <sighs> <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll move on then to uh, um, Callum Wilkie and Matt Parker. Double 55 for Wilkie, 47 for Parker. I think this is more of a truer representation of what you can expect for their scores um, for majority of the matches. Parker came out you know, on fire with scores in the 80s. But I really think he's more of that player that's going to score around 50 each week. So I'd be looking to capitalize on this cash generation in the next few weeks and probably um, get rid of him. Callum Wilkie, you never really know what you're going to get. It didn't seem like he had his backup ruck role that he'd had in previous weeks. They they were more using acres in the ruck, which was just really strange to see. <laughs> so they've got to sort their stuff out. And... Uh, yeah, it's, it makes it a bit difficult to judge um, Wilkie because you never know in a week-to-week kind of what role he's going to get and you don't really know whether to play him on the field. So a um, bit of a interesting rookie choice um, for those with, with Wilkie. Yeah, and I think that pretty much sums it up, Pistol. Uh, do we have any last gems of advice that we need to quickly run through? Um, we probably don't, but uh, we should mention the uh, rivalry league results for the first round. Oh, keen um, to see how Team JB went. 
there was a couple of key matchups. Um, there was two wins for JB in the first week, uh, two for Pistol. How many losses for JB, just so we can clarify here? They, they played each other a lot, so they, they didn't lose a game. They do have Ooh, two wins on the board. What's undefeated Team JB? They are Pistol with two wins and two losses. Uh, <laughs> that was me letting the team down with one of those losses. As I said, Parker couldn't hold on. Um, Wait, which team actually got the scalp on you? JB. Oh, Gen- the general, oh, general soreness. There the you go. Player. So Team JV. Oh, Chizo with one win and three losses. So um, ironically, his team was ranking the highest as overall, but they just all lost pretty much this week. So He's overrated. Um, slow start for Chizo, Team Chizo. And uh, yeah, we'll keep you updated as the season goes on. Undefeated. I-, I wonder how long it'll last. I don't expect us to lose for the whole season, but... Speaking of undefeated, we'll JB... Did you manage to check out the scoring in uh, Phantom State of Origin? I actually did run my eyes over it for a brief second. Haven't seen it tweeted as of yet, but you know maybe they're still trying to calculate how we've actually put together such a dominant performance pistol <laughs> because oh no, we, we had four of the top five scores for the week. And I think, I mean, I don't think, I know we were already ahead. So now we're definitely further ahead. And look, man, I'm looking back behind me in the distance and I don't see anyone there, Pistol. <laughs> I think uh, the in the league itself, the top four scorers are our team. Um, so it's kind of, we're putting on a dominant display, but if it keeps happening, we're not going to be invited back for next year. So uh, we've got to watch it ourselves keeps here. We might need to... Do yeah. we need a tank? We've got to tell... <laughs> no no tanking. Um, we might need to, to tell uh, Kano Gem as uh, the non-podcasting uh, rider member of our group to maybe uh, take one for the team and, and start scoring a, a lot worse just so that we can... <laughs> can know, I just say, shout out to, to Phantom, who was actually my direct matchup this week. Still scored 2,300 and did have the likes of Newman in that, so put together a pretty impressive performance. He's doing quite well himself. Yeah, he so. good. But uh, yes. it's unfortunately, it's not a, a team it's game. Not our team. It's a team game, not just yes. a singular person game. So, uh, and if it's it a was, we'd be though. four out of the top five. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's it's a very long season, so anything can happen. Um, hopefully, Team Vic can uh, get off the bottom. That's for sure. Literally, anything can happen that doesn't involve us coming from top to any other position. <laughs> oh, jeez, I love the confidence. Um, Yep, uh, I love the confidence, but I'm just not going <laughs> right, to let's go wrap along it with up that. Then. Uh, do you want to say where we can find those uh, Twitter accounts that we sometimes use? <laughs> those Twitter accounts that we sometimes use are as follows. You can find our general page, Dr. S- Dr. Underscore SC. Uh, if you want to find each of us individually, you can find Pistol underscore DISC. You can find at JB underscore DISC or Chizo with a Z, Chizo underscore DISC. Um, if you enjoyed the episode or have a donut this week or you do something very silly, so um, donate for, what did I call it at the beginning? <laughs> I've already forgotten. Donate for dumb moves, I guess. Donate I for dumb moves. There we go. Um, I was just testing you, JB. Uh, feel free yes. to donate to the Cancer Council. We'll put up the link in the comments on our Facebook post and hopefully in the description of it on um, iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. Um, yep, our tally's past the 4,400 mark, so having a great season um, raising money for the Cancer Council. Yep. 
Any final words, Jay? Nope. <laughs> All right. Thanks, community.